Hi, I'm Pastor Brady, and welcome to the Five Forks Student Ministries podcast. Tonight, we conclude our series talking about how to be a quitter. Because as we begin 2024, our goal is to start quitting our bad habits and removing them from our lives. This week, let's talk about quitting comparison and comparing ourselves to others. As we get things started, as I mentioned, we're talking about quitting. We've been talking about that for a few weeks now, and tonight is actually the fourth and final week of our series where we're talking about how to be a quitter, what it means to be a quitter, because, you know, you're always told, don't quit, never give up, but we have determined here throughout this month of January that no, that is just a bunch of baloney, because we are quitters, and we are going to quit. And so I just want to do this one more time because I love doing it. Say with me, loud and proud, Waggy. I'm a quitter. Thank you very much. Zach, say with me, loud and proud. I'm a quitter. That's what I like to hear. All of us together, three, two, one. I'm I'm a quitter. That's what I'm talking about because that's exactly what we are striving to be. We are looking to be a bunch of quitters as we look to quit some of our bad habits as we start off this new year. For example... Last week, we talked about how we want to quit idolatry. We want to remove the idols from our lives. And so some of the people that I have heard from who are not in attendance here tonight are not here because maybe they're idolizing the game of football. And so they were at home watching a football game and couldn't make it to youth group tonight. And so, you know, maybe that's something we need to, uh, you know, we need to talk about a little bit more. But if you ever missed any part of the lesson or if you need to rehear the lesson, you know, you can always go back, listen to it on the podcast as well. A little uh, shameless plug for that. But that's what we talked about last week. No, Todd's in North Carolina on a vacation. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's somewhere. I don't know. They were sending pictures. He's like, oh, it's 70 degrees down here. Thanks, Todd. I hope he goes back and listens to this. Because I think I think they leave tomorrow, and so he's he's gonna yeah yeah he's he's gonna be like driving home, sitting with my mom. Hi, mom, by the way, if you're listening, it's gonna be so funny. But yes, we talked about idolatry. Let's get back on track. We talked about idolatry last week, and so I hope you had the chance with your small group. You know, we talked about how we want to begin looking to hold each other accountable to remove some of these potential idols from our lives. We also talked about fasting as well. And so I hope you had the chance to, you know, partake in a time of fasting, whether it was just one day, two days, even the whole week this past week. I hope you had the chance to really do that and do it well with whatever uh, it may have been. But now, tonight, we are about to conclude our series. We have one more thing that we are looking to quit in order to become the ultimate quitters. But before I introduce the topic, I have a game that we are going to play, which some people may have been cheating Looking at my notes. Okay. So here's the game that we are playing. We're going to do a little game of spot the difference. You all know how to play that game. Where I'm going to show a picture. I'm going to show a picture on the screen. I'm going to set a timer for 30 seconds. And during that 30 seconds, you all need to study the picture incredibly close. Very closely. You need to study that picture. And then after the 30 seconds, I'm going to show no writing notes. 
No taking a picture of it. Eyes only. I see you all like getting your phones ready, you know, getting a piece of paper and a pen ready. So no, no, no taking a picture of it because, you know, that ruins the game. No writing anything down. This is all based off of the memory. But a picture is going to go up on the screen for 30 seconds. And then after that, as a group, I'm going to give you one minute to see if you can spot all 10 differences in the next picture. So we're putting you all to the test. There are 10 differences. So let me get, if you cannot see, I recommend visiting your local eye doctor. All right. Are we ready? Go. 30 seconds later. All right. Now, tell me, tell me the differences. Uh-huh. I think there's there's one I haven't heard yet. Oh, the lanyard's gone. Oh, like like the like my name tag lanyard? No, Waggy already said that one. Yeah, I did have the oxide layout, but Jackson just got it. If you look closely, this was the tricky one, which I was going to be surprised if anyone got. My lanyard from my pocket, if you can see, wasn't there before, but now it is. Uh-huh. Actually, I really did. I did, I did, work, I did work pretty hard. So I got to say, I got to say, uh, impress. Yeah, that took me like, that was my whole Wednesday, honestly, coming up with this. Took me a while, but. Oh, you'd be surprised what I. Yeah, you'd be surprised of all the random things I have kept in my office. I honestly have no idea where I got that hat from. I, does anyone anyone know where that came from? It just appeared in my office one day and hasn't left. I have no idea, but it's a great lobster hat, and I uh, I will cherish it always. Oh, oh yeah, you can't really see it too well. But yes, it was a lobster hat, but, but there's a reason why I wanted us to play that little game there. You know, just kind of having, I wanted to have a little bit of fun with that, but it's a good way to introduce our topic because, yeah, you all caught on to like that really quickly. Like, I thought maybe you would struggle with like, I thought you were struggling with at least a little bit, but not at all. Because something that we all happen to be really, really good at, whether we try to do it or not, is we're really good at comparing two different things. We're good at spotting the difference, if you will. But the thing with comparison is that it can get us into a lot of trouble. And so tonight, that's actually what we want to talk about. We want to talk about quitting comparing ourselves and comparing in general. Now, this might surprise you, but the thing about comparison is that everyone does it. Everyone does it. It doesn't matter if you are a little kid, doesn't matter if you are an elementary age kid. It doesn't matter if you are a middle schooler, a high schooler, a young adult, middle-aged, senior citizen. Everyone falls victim to comparison. We fall into this trap. And so also on my Wednesday as I was coming up with the spot the difference list, I also came up with a list of four main categories that I find we tend to compare the most between people. And so I want to see if you can guess 
kind of these four main categories. It's four general categories that I'm looking for of things that we tend to compare uh, against other people. Waggy, I saw your hand. What do you got? Is this just based off what you think? Or is this, like this is based off what I think, yes. Uh, clothes, appearance. Hey, there we go. That's exactly, that, was, that was one of them. It was appearances. Oh, no. <laughs> I thought I wasn't going to be able to open this. I got scared. Great job, Waggy. Appearance. That was, that was one of the four. Man, as soon as I whip out the candy, everyone's hand comes up. This is great. Dunkaroo, what do you think? Well, I'm looking for something a bit more specific than, than yourself in general. So we have appearance. That was one. Shots, possessions. That is another one. Wow, nice catch. All right, so we have possessions. We have appearance. Macy? Intelligence. I would put that, I'll kind of give that one to you. I'm going to put that in the general category ahead of performance. How we perform at something, whether like, so you like, compare your grades with someone, out, with someone else. You compare how good of a job you are doing compared to someone else. You compare how good you are at a sport compared to someone else. How good you play an instrument compared to someone else. Things like that. Now this last one, this is going to be really tough. So I'll give two people a chance to guess. If not, I'm just going to say it. Reese? No, that was not the one that I had. Will Stein, what do you think? Personal qualities, not quite. I did not have that one. I'm just going to go ahead, and I'm going to throw out the list. So first I had possessions, which we got that one. Then we had appearance. We got that one. We had performance. We had that one. And then the last one I kind of had is circumstances. We often compare our circumstances. For example, we'll compare whether someone's parents are divorced or not. Like if, you're, if you come from a divorced family, you will compare yourself to someone who maybe does not come from a divorced family. You compare that way. If you've gone through a recent tragedy, maybe you lost a loved one or a pet, you'll compare your life and your circumstances to those around you. We compare circumstances. And so these are kind of the four main categories as I thought about it. These are the main four that we tend to do a lot of comparison with. And so yeah, we love to compare. We love comparison. It's something we do all the time. And the reason we tend to do it that I've found is because there's something inside of us that just wants us to know that we're good enough, that we're good enough, that we're smart enough, that we're pretty enough, and whatever it may be. We have this insatiable desire to be told that we're accepted and that we're loved. And as a result, the way we kind of tell ourselves that is we compare. We compare ourselves. And again, the thing about comparison is it's nothing new. It's been happening for a long, long, long time. For example, in the Old Testament, Moses, he was someone who loved to compare. In fact, whenever God called on Moses saying, I want you to lead my people out of Egypt, Moses started making excuses, comparing himself to everyone else, saying, Lord, it can't be me. I don't speak as well as everyone else. I don't talk good, is essentially what he said. He's comparing. He was, he was comparison. And then Peter, one of the disciples of Jesus, he also fell into the trap of comparison. Because he even asked Jesus, hey, how do I uh, size up to, like, John, you know, one of the other disciples? Am I better? Am I a better disciple? Am I a better follower? Am I a better Christian? He fell into the trap of comparison. 
And the thing about comparison is we find that it's actually something that God cannot stand. God cannot stand comparison. And there's two key reasons for this that I want to explain. And the first is this. You see, when it comes to comparison, it often results in the death of contentment. Now, let me ask you, what, is it, what does contentment mean? What does that mean? Swoby? Yeah, that's exactly right. So maybe you are content or not with that candy bar that you just got. I don't know if you got a good one or not. I don't know. if You just got the basic milk chocolate. See, if I would have given you the special dark chocolate, you maybe wouldn't have been so content with that. Wow, you're one of the few. Well, look at you go. But yeah, you're exactly right. Contentment is being in a state of satisfaction. It's being pleased with what you have or what you've done. For example, in the creation story, we see that as God goes through each day of the creation story, he always concludes saying, you know, and it was good. He was content. He was pleased with what he had done. And so, again, as we kind of talk about this, I just want to say God cannot stand comparison, and it's because it leads to the death of contentment. And so as we kind of reflect on this, I just want to read uh, part of Paul's words here. He wrote to the Corinthians. You see, Paul, he was helping the church in Corinth to grow and get started, and then he had to leave to go help another church. But Paul heard that things weren't going too well for the Corinthians because there was a group of guys that were trying to raise themselves up into power, and the main way they were doing this was by comparison. They were trying to compare themselves to other people. And so listen to what Paul says, and he's actually he's pretty harsh with this. He says, oh, don't worry. We wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are, but they're only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as the standard of measurement. How ignorant. I mean, man, Paul is not messing around. Like, his words are powerful here. He calls them out for their ignorance, calls them out for their comparison, because he understands that whenever we fall into this trap of comparison, it's what kills joy, it's what robs meaning, and it simply is just puts us in a little box of what we think is the right way. In fact, a message I heard a few years ago while I was at college, there was a speaker that was talking to us about success and comparing our success to other people. And what they said, it's something that has just stuck with me even six, seven years later. I can't quite remember how long it's been. But this is what they said about success in life. As we say whether we are more superior or inferior to other people, they said this. Success is simply being who God wants you to be. It's not who you wish you were. Success is simply being who God wants you to be. It's not who you wish you were. And as I heard that, it's something that just, man, it's, it's stuck with me so much. Because here we are, we try to define our success. You know, we try and say that we are better than other people because maybe we have better grades than them. Or maybe our circumstances are better. Or we have better possessions than them. We try and make ourselves feel that we are more superior to them when simply, if we want to define being successful, all it means is, just being the person who God calls you to be. And so all along, it's pretty much God is just telling us, hey, my son, 
my daughter, you are just trapped trying to chase after something that is not there. You are chasing after a mirage. You're chasing after an illusion. Do you guys know what a mirage is? Yeah, it's essentially, it's like this concept where you may think that you see something in front of you. There might be this image in front of you, but in reality, it's not there. It's unattainable. You cannot grab it. You might think you can, but it is not there. It is just an illusion. And that's what I found living a life full of comparison can be like. It can be like chasing after a mirage that is not there. It's like chasing after something that you cannot you know, obtain. And so whenever we do things, whenever we start to compare things, you know, we may say something around the lines of, man, I wish I had hair like hers. Or man, I wish I had a car like his. Or I just wish I could be athletic as him. Or I wish I was as smart as she was. I mean, life would just be so much easier if I had their kind of money. Oh, people would like me so much more, I bet, if I was funny like he was. See, when we start doing that, when we start falling into this trap of comparison, when we compare ourselves and our possessions and so on and so forth to other people, what we do is we are chasing after that mirage. We're chasing after something that is simply unattainable. And the reason I say that is because of this simple truth. God created each of us uniquely. He created each of us uniquely and to live with different circumstances. And so let me just encourage you, do not get caught up in the, tempt in the temptation of comparison because it only leads to the death of contentment. So that's why we want to quit. We want to be able to learn to find contentment and be satisfied. And so that's the first reason why God cannot stand comparison, but there's also a second reason as to why God cannot stand it. And that would be that comparison makes us prideful and resentful. Comparison makes us prideful and resentful. Listen to this parable here that Jesus taught. We find this in Luke chapter 18, starting at verse 9, and this is what Jesus said. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, like robbers, like evildoers, like adulterers, or even like this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all that I get. But Jesus went on to say that the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven but instead he beat his chest and he said, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I'm a screw-up. I have made mistakes in my life. And Jesus concludes by explaining this whole story, saying, I tell you that this man, this tax collector, rather than the other, he's the one who went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. See, that whole story is all giving that example where when we start to compare ourselves, man, it makes us just become so prideful sometimes. That's what that Pharisee was all about. He was comparing himself 
to the tax collector, to those other evildoers, as he called them. And he didn't really care that he was doing the right thing, trying to be a good you know, follower of God. He simply just wanted other people to hear his prideful spill. That's what it was all about. The incredibly wise C.S. Lewis once said, and I want you to pay close attention because this quote is awesome. It has just really stuck with me whenever I read this. But C.S. Lewis once said this when it comes to pride and comparison. He said that we say that people are proud of being rich or clever or good-looking, but they're not. They are proud of being richer. They're proud of being more clever or better looking than others. Because if everyone became equally rich or equally clever or equally good looking, there'd be nothing to be proud about. <laughs> Man, I mean, that's it right there. When we start to compare ourselves, it is so easy for us to just fall into that trap of thinking so highly of ourselves, thinking of ourselves so much better than everyone else. But it can also do the opposite. Because when we compare, it can also cause us to become incredibly jealous and resentful towards others. Just like in this story that we read in 1 Samuel 18, starting in verse 6, where we read this. When the men were returning home after David killed the Philistine that is Goliath, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with timbrels and lyres, and it was a great time. And they danced and they sang, saying, Saul has slain his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. And when Saul heard this, he was angry. Because this part of the song, this refrain, displeased him greatly. And it goes on to say, They've credited David with tens of thousands, Saul thought. But with me, they've only credited me with just thousands. What more can he get but the entire kingdom? From that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. And so I kind of said it, but who is this David here in this story? Who is, who is the David we're talking about? Brody? Yeah, talking about David and Goliath, the one from the Old Testament that we all know pretty well. And so here we're talking about David, and he just had that great triumphant victory, right? Everyone is cheering. King Saul, out of anyone in the kingdom, he should be the most ecstatic about this because he, you know, was for just months and months worried about his entire kingdom getting overtaken by the Philistines. In war. But David led his army over the Philistines, and so out of anyone in the kingdom, he should be the most excited about this, but instead, he's only focusing on comparison. Because he's comparing what he's hearing everyone saying about David, and he's ticked. Oh, he is so mad about it. But the thing is, as I read this story, it just made me think, man. How often do you and I do the same thing when it comes to other people? How quick are we to compare ourselves with other people and be resentful and jealous to what they may have? For example, if a teammate is the one on your team who is scoring all the goals 
or is making all the baskets, you know, filling up the stat line, it's easy to become resentful towards them. Because you might be saying, I'm doing all the hard work, but then they get all the glory, scoring the goals or scoring all the points. It's easy to become resentful that way. Or maybe you didn't get the role that you wanted in the musical or the play. And man, it is so easy to become resentful to the person who got the role that you wanted. I say that from personal experience. It's easy to be resentful towards someone who got the job promotion that you wanted. It's easy to be resentful to your best friend who started to date someone while meanwhile you're stuck still being single. It's easy to be resentful. And where does that come from? It comes from comparison. When you start to compare what you have compared to what they have. And when we do that, we resent God's goodness in others' lives. But not only do we resent God's goodness others' lives, we also start to ignore the blessings that we have in our own lives. So do you see how dangerous it can be to fall into this trap of comparison? I mean, it can just be so dangerous. It can lead to us just never feeling content. It can lead to us being so, so prideful. But it can also lead us to being resentful and jealous and angry towards others. And that's why God simply cannot stand comparison so as we look to conclude this lesson, we need to ask ourselves this question one more time. How do we quit? How do we quit comparison? How do we look to become quitters and remove this from our lives? And to answer that, there's two things that I think we need to do. And the first is this. The first thing we need to do is simply take time to reflect and know what you have. Know what you have. If you have a personal relationship with Jesus, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus, I just want you to know that what you have is the power of the Holy Spirit within you. That's what you have. When you enter into a relationship with Jesus, you have the power of the Holy Spirit living within you and strengthening you in any and all circumstances. Listen to these powerful words that Paul writes in his letter to the Philippians. This is chapter 4, starting at verse 11. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Paul says, I know what it is to be in need, but I also know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, and he goes on to say the verse that pretty much every single person has in their Instagram bio, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, again, people really only reflect on that last verse in verse, you know, 13 right there because it's a good, you know, it's such a, a good kind of, I don't know, empowering verse in the sense. But it's really those first two verses, 11 and 12, that I want us to focus on right here because I think it's just so important that we want to learn. You see, as Paul is writing this out, he would have been stuck in prison at this point in time. He would have gone through a lot of just awful, awful things in his life leading up to this. His life would have been pretty miserable. And yet, what he says is that he has found contentment. He has managed to be in that state of satisfaction, pleased with what he has and what he's done. 
And he goes on to say in verse 12 there, he says, I have learned the secret to being content. But I don't think it's a secret. In fact, I think it's really quite obvious. Because when you take some time, if you really take some time to just sit and remember and reflect that all God has done for you, pretty obvious why we should find contentment. Because while we were sinners, while we screw up regularly, He forgives us. And He gives us another chance and another chance and another chance. He sent Jesus to be our Savior and our Rescuer. And so when we know this and we believe this, I think that right there is our secret, if you will, to contentment. It's taking time to know what you have in Jesus. That's the first thing I think we can do when it comes to defeating, uh, defeating comparison. The second thing is knowing who you are. Ephesians 2, chapter 10 writes this. It says, you are God's workmanship, and you have a specific assignment from heaven that will not look the same as the assignment of the person next to you. Simply put, You were made to be you. You were not made to be like everyone else. Waggy, you were not made to be like Grant. Grant, you were not made to be like Charlotte. Charlotte, you were not made to be like Addie. You were made to be you. And what God will do in each of your life, in each of your lives, and what he wants you to do with your life, it's going to be different than everyone else. And so I just encourage you, embrace that. Embrace that difference. When you know who you are in Christ and who He created you to be, there's no longer this worry about comparing ourselves to be like someone else. So as I close, I just want to read this quote, this one final quote. This comes from a man named George MacDonald. And the cool thing about George MacDonald, he was actually the mentor to C.S. Lewis, the quote that I read earlier. But he gave a really fascinating quote to this. Listen to what he said. As he reflected on his life, he said, I would rather be what God chose to make me than the most glorious creature that I could ever think of. For to have been thought about, born in God's thought, and then made by God, that right there, is the dearest, grandest, most precious thing in all of thinking. In other words, what he's saying here is that you could come up, anything you could come up with in your mind, that you think, oh, this would just make the best life for me ever. Or if I was just like this, that would make this the best life for me ever. He says, no. Because take some time and realize That who you are, that is who God made you to be. And God's thought went into that. And as he said, that is the dearest, grandest, and most precious thing in all of thinking. I just think that is just so humbling to really think about. So be who God made you to be. And become a quitter. Become a quitter who quits comparing yourself all the time. Quit comparing yourself and instead take time to focus 
on who you are and who God has made you to be. I know that's a lot easier said than done, so you're going to have some chance to talk about that a little bit more in your small groups. But before I pray and close, there's just one thing I had to do one more time because I just love doing it at the start of every lesson. But can I just get this one final time? Can you say it with me loud and proud? Because some of you I see it's been you know, a long weekend. Some of you are dragging a little bit, a little sleepy. And so we're going to wake you up before small groups. Say it with me one more time. Three, two, one. I'm a quitter. So even saying it through a yawn. Y'all are sleepy. All right. Hey, let me pray. I'll send you to small groups. Heavenly Father, Lord, Lord, I just ask for forgiveness. Because we so often fall into this trap of comparison. Wanting to have what others have. We're not content with what we have ourselves. Or we compare ourselves and we think highly of ourselves because we think we're better than others. Or we may be resentful to others because we think that what they have is better than us and that we deserve it more than them. So Lord, forgive us because we are going to fail with this and we're going to fail often. So thank you for your forgiveness. But Lord, it's my prayer that those of us here in the Five Forks Student Ministries, both leaders and students, that we take a stand against this. That we take a stand to become the quitters that you call us to be and quit comparing ourselves all the time. And instead, we learn to be content in who you have made us to be and what you have provided us with. Let us find contentment in that. That secret to contentment. We lift it all up to you, Lord. Be with us during our time of small groups, and we just have a great time of discussion and just a great rest of our night as we head into the start of another week tomorrow. We pray this in Jesus' name. Can I get an amen? Amen, amen to that. All right, y'all can head to your small groups. Thank you all. Thanks for listening to tonight's lesson. As always, you can go back and listen to any previous lessons that you might have missed. Also, if you want to stay up to date with what is happening in the Five Forks Student Ministries, we encourage you to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, where you can find us under Five Forks Students. Or you can check out our website, ffbic.org students.